the St Albans Podcast Theatre Show with Ben and Susie. So that was you before, Ben. Now it's after. Yes, uh, and <laughs> it's becoming a bit of a theme with like plays that are quite powerful and quite dark mm-hmm. that we can't do the review afterwards. And it was the same with this one. I got, I got out of the show mm-hmm. and I was like, I don't want to speak to anyone. I don't want to get interviews with the audience. <laughs> I just want to go home I and to I want to lie down. Oh no! Um, and that isn't. That is not me saying that. <laughs> um, that that well, the the play is a very very. It takes you on a long emotional journey, right? Uh, and so the ways that it deals with a lot of the, um, you know, a lot of the issues that homeless people face, mm-hmm. um, it, it it covers a massive breadth. Yeah. Uh, if if I'm honest, I think that it could do better to pare those things down um, because the the character they're affected by multiple different issues. They've got complex needs, mm-hmm. and I think pairing that down a little little bit would be better. So yeah, because Joe said uh, Joe Emery came in, who's the direct the, the author and director and starred in. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I interviewed Joe beforehand, she said that you know this is this is a play that's written drawing literally on you know multiple different experiences of sort of what are the, there's so many factors that feed into why mm. people become homeless so you felt sort of i guess as an audience member there was there was just a lot there, there was a lot um but i mean hayden davies who played uh the man man yes uh he he did really really well so it was a, an hour and 20 minutes and mm-hmm. he filled the space for all of that right uh and so then we had andrew faber and joe emery coming in and playing different characters uh and just sort of showing how the system doesn't really um well i suppose look after people and mm-hmm. how you get uh, dropped through the cracks and so one of the real strengths of the play was how it showed the system's reaction to someone becoming homeless and, and the just indifference that you can sometimes encounter with that mm-hmm. um so well done on that that one thing that was very accurate um i felt was the the staging yeah and uh so they had uh the sleeping bag and all of the paraphernalia that Mm -hmm. you would need on the street as a homeless person he was out front out the front of a bhs store which i thought was great that's Um, very that's very sort of timely for st norwood although you know r.o.p bhs the building's not mm -hmm. there but you know it was a well yeah they they talk about it in the play okay so um spoiler (laughs) (laughs) but but yeah the 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 staging with it was really really good it really drew you in uh, and and in the pre-show, actually, you came out and the man was busking. He was he was oh, playing really? the guitar for you. Oh. Um, so that was that was really effective. Um, I think as you came out of it, you were quite overwhelmed, really, with having watched this man go on this massive journey, and then at the end, it's not resolved. Oh no! Which, yeah, which I think because it isn't. Yeah, and I I think that that was quite a poignant metaphor mm. of. And so, you, you know, we've gone through this and where's the happy ending? You're not getting one, mate, because actually homelessness is still an issue and it's still going to be an issue. So um, I, I know what, one thing as well that I think w- is really, really responsible of, of the play is bringing in the charity. So there was a homelessness yeah. charity uh, collecting money at the end for and there it. was a different one each night. So for each of the oh, three nights of the run, mm. a different local charity had 
had their turn and it's so they which i mean is great isn't it? it's, it's not using homelessness as a story as a plot it's device. a real it's actually something that affects people's lives and so well well done to everyone involved with that and that you could see idea. on um you know sort of some of the local facebook groups you could see the people who were involved in those charities and who go out locally mm. being very vocal about you know they've, they've gone to this and their kind of connection with the story as well so it felt like a very community driven mm. um project a real you know sort of you know, Joe's in the area. She's written about uh, a subject she sees in the area, and it's resonated. Mm. Um, I've got one question about it because obviously I didn't get to go and see this, which I'm devastated about. I want to, you know, hopefully I'll catch round two, which is being spoken about. Mm. Um, Joe was worried that it might be, and you know, in our initial conversation, we talked about politics a little bit. She was worried that it might, yeah, that, or no, she wasn't worried. She was very conscious that she had strived not to be political in it that that wasn't the driver it was much more broad than that do you think mm. that's it was success that it was a broader um you know the reasons for becoming homeless the the issues faced you know the system lets you down that that's interesting because i i think that you could tell that um it didn't want to be political uh but i did want to see and maybe this is my own personal bias i wanted to see more politics in it and i wanted to see uh more more explanations for who's at fault here mm. um but maybe there isn't an explanation for who's at fault though is there well there, there are in certain contexts mm. um and so like some of the things that it touches on like it touches on toxic masculinity mm-hmm. and it touches on it very very briefly and then doesn't really come back to it mm. um and so I think that with new writing, the one thing that always comes through is the dialogue is very raw and it's very sort of punchy isn't the right word, but that there is a lot of emotion in every mm. single line and that really came through. Uh, but I think that it was very ambitious on the number of topics that right. it tried to deal with. Um, so, so yeah, that, that that's probably where where i'd put it that it could do with being pared down mm. uh but that's not for a lack of content within within the show and hayden obviously was the i guess the, the centerpiece and had that i mean like by far the majority of the the kind of content mm. they carried that yeah yeah he, he really carried that and and most of it was directed to you the audience so there was a, a plot device where he was addressing a script writer. He was addressing someone who was writing a script and telling his story. But once we got past that plot device, uh, the man was basically speaking to you. Um, mm. and, and that felt quite nice. It felt nice to really be involved in this man's story. And he, he almost held you by the hand and led you through his life mm. uh, in an in a almost chronological way. So that, that, was, that was nice to see you know th- th- this is how i grew up and th- these are my parents mm. and that sort of thing great well it sounds like um yeah it's, it's done there's been an interesting show that mm. um that yeah, i'd done. really like to see a second round of it yeah as well. that, that sounds really exciting so joe bring it back we want more yeah. <laughs> we want to see how this progresses thank you um well done ben for going to see um let's um let's go next um to um a preview shall we yes so stephen cunningham has written a play called Lossless. We've spoken with Stephen a couple of times before on we the show. Have, yes. yes, so he was the writer of Fugue. Yeah. Uh, the play that I said, 
I'm not clever enough to understand. <laughs> but he did say that our analysis was closest to what they were trying to achieve. So, you know, maybe we're smarter than oh, we think. Yeah. Could be. Um, but Stephen's got a new show, Lostness. It's um, on at the, uh, with Ovo. Um, it's going to be on the Maltings Arts Theatre uh, from the 13th to 22nd of Feb. So um, let's go and have a chat with Stephen. Let's do that. I'm here at the Maltings Theatre, ready to see Rough Sleeper, written by Joe Emery, put on by Jojo Productions. Very excited to see it. You'll hear my thoughts at the end. So that was you before, Ben. Now it's after. Yes, uh, <laughs> and it's becoming a bit of a theme with like plays that are quite powerful and quite dark. Mm-hmm. That we can't do the review afterwards and it was the same with this one i, I got out of the show mm-hmm. and i was like i don't want to speak to anyone i don't want to get interviews with the audience <laughs> i just want to go home I and to i want to lie down oh no um and that isn't that, that is not me saying that <laughs> um that that well the, the play is a very very it takes you on a long emotional journey right uh and so the ways that it deals with a lot of the um you know, a lot of the issues that homeless people face, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it covers a massive breadth. Yeah. Uh, if, if I'm honest, I think that it could do better to pare those things down um, because the, the character, they're affected by multiple different issues. They've got complex needs. Mm-hmm. And I think pairing that down a li- little bit would be better. So, yeah, because Joe said, um, Joe Emery came in, who's the direct, the, the author and director and starred in. Mm-hmm. Um and when I interviewed Joe beforehand, she said that, you know, this is this is a play that's written drawing literally on, you know, multiple different experiences of sort of what are the, there's so many factors that feed into mm. why people become homeless. So you felt sort of, I guess, as an audience member, there was there was just a lot. There, there was a lot. Um, but I mean, Hayden Davies, who played uh, the man man yes uh he he did really really well so it was a, an hour and 20 minutes and mm-hmm. he filled the space for all of that right uh and so then we had andrew faber and joe emery coming in and playing different characters uh and just sort of showing how the system doesn't really um well i suppose look after people and mm-hmm. how you get uh, dropped through the cracks and so one of the real strengths of the play was how it showed the system's reaction to someone becoming homeless and, and the just indifference that you can sometimes encounter with that mm-hmm. um, so well done on that the one thing that was very accurate um, I felt was the the staging yeah and uh, so they had uh, the sleeping bag and the, all of the paraphernalia that mm-hmm. you would need a, on the street as a homeless person he was out fr- out f- the front of a BHS store which okay. I thought was great that's um, very that's very sort of timely for St. Louis although you know R.I.P. BHS the building's not mm-hmm. there but you know it was a well yeah they, they talk about huge, it in the play actually okay. so um, spoiler <laughs> but but yeah the 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 staging with it was really really good it really drew you in uh and and in the pre-show actually you came out and the man was busking he was he was oh, playing really? the guitar for you oh. um so that was that was really effective um i think as you came out of it you were quite overwhelmed really with having watched this man go on this massive journey and then at the end, it's not resolved. Oh, no. Which, yeah. which I think... Because it isn't. Yeah. And I, I think that that was quite a poignant metaphor mm. of 
and so you, you know we've gone through this and where's the happy ending you're not getting one mate because actually homelessness is still an issue and it's still going to be an issue so um i, I know what one thing as well that i think what is really really responsible of, of the play is bringing in the charity so there was a homelessness yeah. charity uh collecting money at the end for and there it. was a different one each night so for each of the oh, three nights of the run mm. a different local charity had had their turn and it's so they which i mean is great it's, it's not using homelessness as a story as a plot it's device. a real it's actually something that affects people's lives and so well well done to everyone involved with that and you could see idea. on um you know sort of some of the local facebook groups you could see the people who were involved in those charities and who go out locally mm. being very vocal about you know they've, they've gone to this and their kind of connection with the story as well so it felt like a very community driven mm. um project a real you know sort of you know, Joe's in the area. She's written about uh, a subject she sees in the area, and it's resonated. Mm. Um, I've got one question about it because obviously I didn't get to go and see this, which I'm devastated about. I want to, you know, hopefully I'll catch round two, which is being spoken about. Mm. Um, Joe was worried that it might be, and you know, in our initial conversation, we talked about politics a little bit. She was worried that it might, yeah, or no, she wasn't worried. She was very conscious that she had strived not to be political in it that that wasn't the driver it was much more broad than that do you think mm. that's it was success that it was a broader um you know the reasons for becoming homeless the the issues faced you know the system lets you down that that's interesting because i i think that you could tell that um it didn't want to be political uh but i did want to see and maybe this is my own personal bias i wanted to see more politics in it and i wanted to see uh more more explanations for who's at fault here mm. um but maybe there isn't an explanation for who's at fault though is there well there, there are in certain contexts mm. um and so like some of the things that it touches on like it touches on toxic masculinity mm -hmm. and it touches on it very very briefly and then doesn't really come back to it mm. um and so I think that with new writing, the one thing that always comes through is the dialogue is very raw and it's very sort of punchy isn't the right word, but that there is a lot of emotion in every mm. single line and that really came through. Uh, but I think that it was very ambitious on the number of topics that right. it tried to deal with. Um, so, so yeah, that, that that's probably where where I'd put it that it could do with being pared down mm. uh, but that's not for a lack of content within within the show and Hayden obviously was the I guess the, the centerpiece and had that I mean like by far the majority of the the kind of content mm. he carried that yeah yeah he, he really carried that and and most of it was directed to you the audience so there was a, a plot device where he was addressing a script writer. He was addressing someone who was writing a script and telling his story. But once we got past that plot device, uh, the man was basically speaking to you. Um, mm. and, and that felt quite nice. It felt nice to really be involved in this man's story. And he, he almost held you by the hand and led you through his life mm. uh, in an in a almost chronological way. So that, that, was, that was nice to see... You know, th th this is how I grew up, and th these were my parents, mm. and that sort of thing. Great. Well, it sounds like um, yeah, it's it's 
done there's been an interesting show that mm. um that yeah, i'd done. really like to see a second round of it yeah as well. that, that sounds really exciting so joe bring it back we want more yeah. <laughs> we want to see how this progresses thank you um well done ben for going to see um let's um let's go next um to um a preview shall we yes so stephen cunningham has written a play called lossless We've spoken with Stephen a couple of times before on the show. Have, yes. yes. So he was the writer of Fugue. Yeah. Uh, the play that I said, I'm not clever enough to understand. <laughs> but he did say that our analysis was closest to what they were trying to achieve. So, you know, maybe we're smarter than oh, we think. yeah. Could be. Um, but Stephen's got a new show, Lostless. It's um, on at the uh, with Ovo. Um, it's going to be on the Maltings Arts Theatre uh, from the 13th to 22nd of Feb. So um, let's go and have a chat with Stephen. Let's do that. Hello, I'm Simon Carver. Join me and Danny Smith on our new podcast, The St Albans Film Guide. Each week we'll be looking at what's on at the cinema, the top ten, new releases, and also what's on TV over the coming week on all the free-to-air channels. Now, if you want to find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for The St Albans Podcast. Alternatively, you can go to stalbanspodcast.com to find out more. So that's The Film Guide with me, Simon Carver, part of The St Albans Podcast in association with The Hearts Advertiser. And we're in the studio with Stephen Cunningham. Hello. Uh, you have Welcome a new play. Back. <laughs> Again, yeah, hello, nice to see you. Got Ben this time, though. Yeah. Very, really exciting to <laughs> Double trouble. <laughs> um, so, Lossless. Lossless, which is hard to say. Yes. yes. Uh, what, what, what's it about? What's it about? It's, um, it is set, the characters are part of a grief counselling group. Sounds like a lot of fun, doesn't it? It does, it really yeah, does. Right? Okay, so we laugh a minute. It is, um, it's monologues, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, the play's in two parts. Mm-hmm. The first part is called Ghost Vocal, um, and that has two characters in. One, the, the main character is Moira, uh, who is played by Annette Holland, mm-hmm. who was in The Children a we while know ago. Annette, yeah, yeah, she's big a fan. wonderful, wonderful actor. Yeah. And she's supported in that by Jane Withers, who was a Lady Macbeth for yes. Ovo a little while yeah. ago as well. Who she I, was I've a, wanted to work with for so long. She was a very haunting Lady Macbeth. Yeah, she was she's very wonderful. good, yeah. And the second part is called End Sequence, and I'm doing that one. Oh. Oh. Yeah. That's so I, ha- I have a co-director, because I, you can't direct yourself <laughs> in, a, in a monologue. <laughs> it just doesn't work. You have no, no idea what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so I've got a very old friend of mine, um, a Company 10 guy, actually, Derek Coe, um, who is keeping an eye on me. Lovely. Does he have a name? Should we give him credit? Derek Coe. Oh, sorry, I had Mr. Yeah. said that. <laughs> I was like, everyone else was like, he just said that, Susie. Yeah, yeah it's fine. Um, Derek Coe, <coughs> lovely. So he's he's taking it. So yeah, talk so, to us um, about, about the characters. Who are well, these people? Well, essentially the situation is what they've been tasked with writing a letter to the person mm. they've lost. Okay. Mm. And they have to read it out to the group. Right. Um, and Moira in Ghost Vocal, the first play, um, has written to her dead husband, who she's lost, I don't know how long ago. Um, but she has uh, forgotten her glasses and she can't read it. <sighs> so she gets up courageously. She's the first person to get up. It's an incredibly brave thing to do. And she gets up and oh, I can't read what I've written. So a lot of the play is her kind of just talking Mm. around Mm -hmm. this stuff and making stuff up. And then eventually she asks if someone could possibly come up and read it for her. And that's where Jane's character, Uh who's called Woman, 
she doesn't have a name, comes up and reads her letter for her. Mm-hmm. Um, with Moira stood right next to her, like <gasps> staring her down <laughs> from the side. It's, it's yeah, it's it's kind of that sounds quite intense. Yeah, it kind of is. It was um, we had uh, Annette and Jane together today for the first time, and it was really quite moving. Actually, mm. it, was, mm. it was it was really something. Um, in end sequence, my character man. He doesn't have a name. He has written to his kind of younger sister. So he's someone my age with a young child. Mm-hmm. And it's really exploring the effects of the loss of his sister, not only on himself, but also on his daughter. Right. Um, and that's quite... <laughs> Yeah, I want to say harrowing. I don't want to put people off coming <laughs> to see. Uh, the first well, one, it's Annette is very, Annette as Moira is actually very funny. So yes. you know, it's not all mm. the whole. It's about an hour in total. It's not all kind of really, really intense. There's a few laughs in it. Yeah, as well, mm. so. I can it, imagine because I think it is quite. You know, it's one of those things that people tend to. You know, when you're, I guess, speaking about people who've passed on, they, they tend to be. You do focus on some of the the funny things that have happened because mm. it's part of what makes yeah and just the fact that she's kind of improvising the stuff because mm. she can't read what she prepared um and so she just says ridiculous things sometimes and just and laughs at herself for saying <laughs> it and you know she's kind of she doesn't really know she can't sit down again mm. and you know it's um so but um yeah the way she's portraying it is it's 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 quite funny as well as mm. being a little bit more serious Mm, okay. So. And so, like, uh, there there are a lot of dark themes within the yeah. play. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I suppose. How, I'm not a comedy now. How, so how yeah, could you? Because really we're promise. starting to feel like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. we get or, drained by or this. Or just go away. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, how, do, how do you um, do you work with the actors to sort of try and access some of that darkness, some of those dark themes, or or do you sort of let them go through that process? We on haven't done any of that actually. Mm. Um, we had a very early read through in December, and Annette kind of nailed the character straight away. Mm-hmm. It was just there. Uh, the problem uh, Derek and I have as directors is. What what notes do you give someone who's already there? You know, we, 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 we're just tweaking right yeah. from the start. We're just tweaking a little less here, a yeah. little more there. Mm. Um, so no, we ha- and, and Annette has. It's been really interesting because I had no idea who this woman was. Mm. Really, it was just a voice. Yeah. But Annette has built. She knows who she is. She yeah. knows who her father was. She yeah. knows mm. the, the whole background. Yeah. Which is really interesting because I don't do that as an act at all. Right. I have a completely different approach. So yeah. That's kind of like okay. Quite that's, that's great. Isn't I, it? I don't need to know what it is, mm. um, but no, she 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 backs it up with a lot of kind of invented biographical stuff, which is really interesting. Wow. Yeah, uh, and have you found that's been similar with your character as well? Have Have you built your character out? Is he a bigger character than he was at the start? Um, the the difficulty with that one is he's kind of me. Mm. Um which I was a bit worried about. I'm trying to make him a bit less me. Um, there's a lot of me in him. Mm. So I kind of know who he is. Yeah. Mm. So I didn't really have to do that. It's just <laughs> like, I, yeah. I'm, you know, Don't make I, him less you then. Embrace I know, it. I know this guy. Mm. Um, so, yeah. But it's, it's, I suppose, in, in trying to answer your question better, 
Um, there's a lot of stuff in there, particularly in the one that I'm performing, mm. and it, that I've drawn on personal stuff. Yeah. Mm. Not the actual situation, mm. but I've, there's a lot of personal stuff it has fed it's into, it. into it. it. Came, it came from a particular place and a particular time, so... I kind of know instinctively what that needs to be. So. Did you consider casting someone else as man, or was it always sort of a role that you know, kind of you wrote it and you just knew you wanted to be the one I, to deliver? Uh, I was, I was gonna ask someone else to do it before I wrote it. Right. What happened was Ghost Vocal, mm-hmm. uh, Annette's Annette and Jane's one, was going to be a standalone mm-hmm. short play, half an hour. Yeah. Um, and then I wrote it, and something happens. In the course of Jane reading, uh, Jane's character reading Moira's letter, mm-hmm. and she just stops. Something registers with her. Right. Now, originally, it was the man reading the letter. It was going to be see. just okay. Moira mm. and the man. But there was just too much man. It was unbalanced. Mm. So I, I changed it to woman. So I got to that point in the writing. I thought, now I've got to write another a companion <laughs> piece because I need to know why he, at the time, stopped. Yeah, mm. brilliant. So that's that's how end sequence uh, wasn't part of the plan. Really, it was it just kind of happened out of writing ghost vocal. That's interesting. Look, we're, I'm I'm fascinated by the process that we're talking about. We're going to take a brief pause and we're going to come back to Stephen very shortly. This is Ben and Susie live from the Abbey Theatre. Hi Ben. How's it going? <laughs> All right. I've just been listening to the audience as they're milling about. Mm-hmm. And it has been described to me as the scariest show you will see all season. So this is Alligators, and this is the—is this the first show of the the spring season for Company of Tennis now? I think it is. Yeah. And this is the amateur premiere. Yeah. So it's only been on as a professional production. Never been done as an amateur production. This is exciting. Okay, so the scariest, and we're in the studio, which is the Abbey Theatre's kind of cosier, yeah, cosier setting. So we're really going to be up close to the action. Right, let's go. Bye. So, alligators review. How did you find it? I, I this is another show where we walked out and kind of looked at each other and went. Let's do the review. Can't in the talk studio. to you right now. <laughs> Um, so alligators for um, anyone anyone who hasn't seen it. so it's it's still running um, as this goes out um, it's on until so this is going out on Thursday the 30th it's on until Saturday mm-hmm. I think I'm pretty sure it's almost if not totally sold out though so try and get a ticket yeah if you can. I, I would give a warning beforehand that it does deal with some really brutal really issues. brutal themes it's brutal so, uh, we'll, we'll go. so it deals with um, sexual assault and, se- and accusations of sexual misconduct yeah and so if you are yeah. likely to be affected by that i would say don't go and yes. see this yeah um it is i mean so i mean first of all i would say go and see it if you're not going to be offended by any of those things um it was so the the play is and then, you know spoiler alert we are reviewing it so things may come out mm-hmm. <laughs> um the story is set in a family home it's in the studio at the abbey theater it's very um, intimate really intimate so you're in a family home the story is a husband and wife um Sally and um, 
Do we have to know his name? We do know his name. Yeah, I'm sure we know his name. I can't name. remember that. Um, <laughs> this is um, it's played by um, Matt Hughshaw and by um, Catherine Steed. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple. They've got a young daughter. She's about seven-ish years old. Is that yeah, right? I think so. The the actress is twelve years old. Yeah, but, uh, plays a seven-year-old. And uh, they they live in this flat. You get this snapshot of this happy couple. You know their life. You know they're planning holidays. You mm. know it's all it's all uh, you know fairly normal. You know, having a glass of wine to chat after a long day of work. Um, as the story unfolds, you know, sort of days go past and, and an allegation gets made he, um, against um, the man. He is sent home from work with no information. Uh, he's then told to speak to a solicitor. It unfolds, somebody's made a, a historic um, allegation of sexual abuse. And it is absolutely... Um, I'd say, uh, you know, it's a story that absolutely kind of captures you. It's it's brutal. It's mm. challenging. Um, and it's ter- terrifyingly plausible mm. is, you know, is, is sort of the things I would say about that. Um, I I found it, um, I would say, I think, oh, where, where to start? Where yeah, to start? I, I think... <laughs> There's the, so much I need the, to say about it. The lens with which I sort of think about the play is one the script mm-hmm. and then two what uh what the company of 10 did with the script mm-hmm. and so the script for me um i think as like a pre- professional piece of writing the actual meaning behind it mm-hmm. it, it seemed like it apologized a lot um for sexual assault and sort of made all these excuses as to why this guy shouldn't be guilty um, and in the end, I, I'm pretty sure that he was it, within the context of the play. And so I think that in in terms of the the play, mm. I don't think that the message from it was very good because it the thing that I took away from it was you're telling me not to believe allegations when they come out. That's really interesting. But so. I would contrast that with how the uh, Company of Ten put it on. Well, I pause there for a second. Okay. Because thinking purely about it from the script point, and this is interesting because you're the second male that I've had, not a full-on you know, conversation, but a, another man I spoke to about it, had the view that the man <clears throat> probably wasn't really as guilty as was made out. As a woman watching it, I felt like the script and all the the underlying secrets. So lots of things come out in the in the process of his internet history. Of, yeah, his internet history. I, you know, everyone watches porn is a, a phrase that has kind of been bandied around. Mm. Um, I'd say probably. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but you know, as a general rule, watching porn is not does not make you a sexual predator. Mm. Um, the kind of porn he was watching very specifically very geared sp- towards the victim of the sexual assault that accused him doesn't paint him as an innocent i think you know the 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 fact that there was you know an in the particular initiating incident of the sexual allegation there was clearly much more behind that you know mm-hmm. he you know he unraveled bit by bit that actually an he incident did find the girl attractive place. he did find her attractive he, and he, he didn't kept a stop secret. her immediately he asked his wife to keep his seat i don't think it i'm not sure that it did allow him to be innocent um, no but or, I, I i think that the information in the play mm. i took from it as he's definitely definitely guilty mm. but the treatment of the characters within the play mm-hmm. i suppose the the space that is given to this man that I think as a sexual predator mm-hmm. to make his case, I think that it gave him a lot of sympathy 
and a lot a lot of space to be like oh you know you you, you can't tell boys will be boys and that actually yeah you know no no they won't lock him up was it was I, my my feeling coming this out is of so, this is so because i just did it i felt like he was guilty and i felt like Gemma, I thought Matt played him a bit smarmy, you mm. know, especially where at one point he hits on his own solicitor. Yeah, that was... I mean, that was just... Ugh. That was a ringer. Um, oh, that was... Oh, shudders, shudders. Um, it was... Yeah, I mean, it was challenging. And that, I think this is the whole point, is that it's not answered. Mm. You know, in the end, it is not finished. You don't know whether or not he was genuinely guilty mm. or innocent. And I think, frankly, even... There, there isn't any innocence in it because there was so much wrong with what did happen mm. that, that, you know, he was guilty. Yeah. And all of the work of that, that, that goes into discrediting the girl as well. Yeah. And discrediting her story. Uh, you know, if you went in that, and that's why at the, at the top of this, I said, if you are likely to be affected by yeah. this, do not go and watch it. Yeah. And that's because if you do have experience of that, that would be harrowing to see this girl's story getting getting trashed yeah. and, and all and, that. And it being unresolved, mm. um, you know, at the end. I think it was... So let's talk about how the company of 10 staged yeah. it. So in the studio, audience on two sides, you were kind of literally in this couple's living room mm. watching this happen. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, it was ideal. You really could have, like... It, it was like you cut the a wall out of a flat and you could just see yeah. into their lives. And... Um, so, sorry, this is skipping all the way to the end of the mm. show. But one thing that I definitely don't want to forget about is there was a lighting effect oh, that at the end. was alligators projected onto the wall. And at the start, I was like, oh, that's just a lighting effect. Mm. But uh, I, then these alligators, they started encroaching on mm-hmm. the couple. Uh, and so the alligators' allegations started to cre- creep in. Yeah. Uh, and that was really, really effective. It was so powerful. Super effective. So the, the reason the play is called Alligators is because the young daughter, who is actually... So there is a young... As you mentioned, there's a young girl playing. It's three... The, the part's played by three different young actresses mm. um, who have been brought in to obviously play you know, different nights because it's a late night and you know we're, we're you being, being protective of them. And they mm. were... I know um, for anyone who's listening is worried, they were very protected from the story storyline and from yeah as much of the language that was then contained therein you know the company tends on a cracking job i think of safeguarding safeguarding, um that said you know the young girl that i saw um you know she was she was brilliant she i think she did a really good job um you know i i'm quite mean about child actors generally (laughs) like you know the ones in the movies where you know they've been paid a lot of money uh but i thought she did a really good job and she was so she did really dad did that like i don't understand what's going on yeah like she kept offering her dad a stick so she heard the word allegations and thought they were talking about alligators the allegations are coming she thought alligators are coming so Mm. it was very you know she she literalized it and got him a stick that he could beat away the adorable um Let's talk about the other actors, though. I mean, I thought... Uh, so this is... Catherine Steed was playing the, the part of the wife, mm-hmm. Sal. Uh, I I believe... Please correct me if I'm wrong, anyone who's listening, um, that this was her first uh, performance with The Company of Ten. Mm. And what a way to start. That was... <laughs> cracking. I, I, I really enjoyed her performance. Yeah. Uh, I thought that she, like, offered a lot. Uh, and and really, you felt the sort of put-uponness of her. I, yeah. That's probably not the way to phrase it, but you felt that, like... She was stressed about, you know, looking after a young kid and all, all that sort of mm-hmm. young mum mm-hmm. stuff. 
I'm not a young mum, but but I felt like she was giving us that. It, yeah, it really she was. felt like she was in she the room. She was she was a wife, she was a um a mother, she but I just her what a difficult role to play, you know, being supportive of a husband who mm. is being accused of things and it was it was beautifully managed that build up to the point where she finally did question, question. him. You know, right there and it was the oh and I thought she behaved, you know, just coming back when she was taken to the police station, coming up, having found out lots of the information he'd been keeping from her, mm. um, you know, internet history, you know, things like that. Um, you know, the rage was real. Mm. And, oh, my gosh, like, the two of them at the end, I mean, you know, Matt, um, I mean, Matt, as I've already said, let's talk about Matt before we talk about the ending. But um, I thought Matt played the character, um, you know, he was quite Matt I hope you're aiming for sleazy because I got sleazy (laughs) Um, yeah there was a definite darkness to him yeah and you felt that at any moment he could just flip yeah I I was waiting for that I was waiting for the the sort of the top to get blown off and, and him to properly say you know whatever I did it I don't you know or whatever and you saw the unraveling you know he started off smart he was in his shirt and trousers fresh in from a day at uh, school and mm. by the end he was in this trackies sort of, yeah rough tracky bottom yeah and he you know hair was all scruffed you know it really you, you saw the physicality of the, mm. the deterioration of his strength of character um the one moment being so critical because it's really hard to find something to criticize it i think in this whole thing i thought it was it was really well handled there was one moment where um all three characters the the mum the the daughter and the dad are in the living room and the dad yells at the daughter for something she hasn't yeah it's not her fault he was trying Mm. to get her to go to bed because he needed to talk to the mum about something and uh he yelled at her and at that moment if as a mother i would have gone and put my arm around my child to you know sort of comfort them and like you know protect them from knowing that my partner hadn't really that rage was misdirected to the child mm. and Kat didn't do that she didn't oh, she didn't, I didn't sort see, of see I didn't pick up but on it's that. it was oh my gosh am I nitpicking to even say this I'm sorry guys I shouldn't have said it um but it was just that was the only moment where I felt like the rest of the relationship between the family I thought was so well executed and there was you know moments of affection between mm. them. That was the one I'm really nitpicking. So I'm going to change the subject because we <laughs> so haven't mentioned Abby Waghorn. Say, well, you you go for Abby Waghorn because I was about to say Deborah Cole. So you... Oh, yes, yeah. So we should be like, this is all for it because you've got these three main sort of focal characters. But of course, you've got um, Abby Waghorn who plays the, um, the, the, lawyer. the lawyer who comes in to support Matt through his um, through his uh, crisis. Mm. And she comes in as this sort of, you know, powerhouse, power suit, heels, and she's got her briefcase. And you, you kind of see her try and manage very Maintain kind the of professionalism yeah and kind of really stay removed from it and i think she does a very good job of kind of maintaining that facade of being you know i'm just here to do my job and what must be a very you know in real life a very very challenging role to mm. you know challenging position you're basically having to defend somebody who as she you know discovers has got a lot of shade mm. beneath the surface um so she was great deborah cole yeah deborah cole i i felt um she did so well she was just that she came in as a social worker yeah so she came in as a social worker and she just came in with the like yep 
here is my clipboard. I answer these questions and I get, you know, I get results. Yeah. Um, and so I, I really like that. Again, the script doesn't paint her character in a, in a very good light. Oh, no. And, and I think she executed on that. I mean, yeah. she was she was a, a shoddy, shoddy social worker. Mm. I hope that's what really, you're going for, Deborah, because you nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Really trying to like force a confession mm. out, out of um out of the young child. Yeah. Um but but yeah, she she did that perfectly. Yeah. Uh and that that's the first role that I've seen her in where I I don't know, it, it wasn't it was small and it was realistic and it there was something quite nice about that, mm-hmm. about the, you know, she was a, a she was a real social worker she was a civil servant yeah. she was there to do her job and she was going to get her job done yeah 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 and i think um so i mean the whole thing it was a brutal play it was a yeah. brutal subject it wasn't you know it's one of those things where i enjoyed it but i didn't enjoy it mm. um it was quite long um and i think potentially you could have thought about cutting down on some of the very initial scene setting of mm. you know the relationship between them potentially but obviously that's not how it was written it yeah. was written as it was and it it worked beautifully um i yeah. i just love that being in the room i think that's had that play been on the main stage it, no, it, it wouldn't have worked. worked it the studio was perfect for it really felt that and i i sort of feel quite funny about the studio i don't know why i don't always love what i see in there mm. um but the, it's got a definite you know modern dance for beginners talking back to well, the last summer um that was perfect in there mm. you know it's a real fly on the wall it's a real intimate it's real intimate yeah, setting. Domestic it's got to be the right yeah really work in there, it's got they? to be that and uh yeah yeah some things where you're up close and personal so mm. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was really well done. So, I mean, if you ha- if there are tickets available, go and see it. Yeah. Brilliant. And we'll have the link on the website, com, and in the show notes. Yep. In the show notes. Um, brilliant. Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over 10 years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast, a weekly look at the news, views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. We are back with Stephen in the uh, in the podcast studio talking about um, Lostless, which is showing at the Maltings Arts Theatre from the 13th to the 22nd of February. Not all those days. Not all so of them, but not all of them. It's Thursday, Saturday, Thursday, Saturday. Marvellous. Okay, is. thank you. That's how I remember um, it. And we will have a link to tickets in the uh, the show notes or on the website, um, Uh Let's go back to what we were talking about, which is... Um, I was really fascinated what you just said about the writing process mm. and about how um, you know you started um, well actually there's two kind of parts to this um, the fact that you kind of started writing and then completely changed it from this sort of short play mm. um, but I'm going to start with my other point was that you changed it so it wasn't going to be too heavily man yeah and I think that's interesting yeah. because as a as a female um, the conversation I hear a lot and I don't know if you guys actually hear this or not just or it's from my perspective I often hear people complain that there's not a lot of you know sort of strong women parts 
in the theatre mm. and it's hard or, to find a place. Or just women parts in general. Women parts. Just general. Yeah. It's hard it's, to find these, yeah. these plays. So it's that really interesting that as a new, um, you know, as a writer, you know, producing new material, that that was yeah. a thought process you had. I, I don't know whether it is because I am a man, but I find writing women much more interesting. Okay. I'd much rather be writing female characters than male characters. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know why. Fugue was Fugue three, was two, uh, well, three characters yeah, three, played by two. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Three females, yeah. Um, and I don't know what that is, but yeah, it's certainly lossless with the man reading the letter in the first part. It was just, it became about him. Mm. It was too much about him. Mm. Um, and so I, I changed it to um, a younger woman who's, you know, a generation younger. Yeah. Had the, the age difference had, had to be quite substantial. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, it's um, I don't know. I find writing women interesting, <laughs> and, and there, there should be more female parts. Any writers out there to keep writing women female parts? Mm. That's all. And older ones as well, please. Yeah, I mean, because that's, that's interesting as well. You know, we've just um, we've just done a review of Rough Sleeper, which although you know had women in it, was a you know male part. I guess yeah. the, the issue being sort of like homelessness. Homelessness affects women as well. It does. It does. It does. Um, yeah. But I mean, it's just very. It was very interesting to me the fact that you saw that in your own writing and, and balanced it because I, you know, it, it was just an interesting point. But um, how much do you find? I mean, so this is your third. Is it third, fourth play that you've written? It's the third, it's second original one, mm-hmm. but with the Hamlet adaptation, of course, which I talked very briefly about last mm. time. Um, it's my third. Um, I have another one, but, but it hasn't been produced yet. See, it's so. funny that you mentioned maybe doing comedy next time because no, Hamlet's not, not exactly happen. uplifting. Yeah, <laughs> that was a joke. It's not going to happen. <laughs> um, but I, I, yeah, so that's. Um, I mean, that's a that's, that's some hard work, isn't it? I mean, again, I, I'm sure I asked you this last time, but did you just have something? You just sort of just had this idea, and you're like, I'm just going to start writing and see where it takes me. That's kind of. I, I find that's what works for me. Mm. Um, I've always got about three or four things on the go. Mm-hmm. But I find if I don't write something quickly, um, it kind of dies. Yeah. Mm. It, the, the fire goes out some somewhere along the way. Mm-hmm. Lossless took me, over the course of two weeks, I, I probably wrote it, if you condense the time, mm-hmm. the writing time, it probably took me about two days to write wow. it. Wow. Okay. It was really quick. One Saturday, 10-hour day. I wrote in sequence in one day. And have you wow. have you tweaked the language or the you know as you, as you kind of see that I mean I guess because it's uh, it's not dialogue it's maybe a bit different so but has it tweaked at all as you've seen it performed No, not we've changed it very just the odd word mm. here and there and Annette's Annette came up with something the other day and it was just like yeah absolutely right change that um, so very small things yeah um, so yeah it just it. it what people will see if they come is kind of what just came out mm. and with um, with fugue it was one of the things you said beforehand was that it wasn't a linear story it was yeah, it was a bit yeah. more kind of nebulous than that and that's definitely what we took away from it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. but is this a sort of because you're kind of i guess the, this is the process it's the letters that you're reading do you feel more like it's a this it, a tale you're it's, hearing? it's uh, with monologues it, essentially it's it's quite basic storytelling You've got to tell a story, yeah. I think. Mm. Um, yeah, Fugue was kind of out there, and deliberately so. Yeah. And it's fine, it's what it is. Yeah. Uh, this is much more... With, with Ghost Vocal, I, I did have an idea in my head about Ghost Vocal. I wanted to kind of write a life. Yeah. 
I want us to feel this woman's life, the yeah. weight of this woman's life, but actually providing very few details. Mm. So we get a sense of it without her actually going, and this, and this, and yes. this, and this. Um, here, uh, the end sequence, his monologue is much more kind of just a conventional story. He's saying what happened. Right. Mm. Um, and I think uh, I, I write a lot of weird stuff, and after Fugue, I think I, I wanted to write something. Okay, let's just tell a story. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it both. You can do both. Yeah, yeah, you can do both, and each is valid. Um, but yeah, this is very much people just talking about their lives. Brilliant. Um, much like this into a microphone. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's, Standing it's quite and a hostile it all out. environment. And the <laughs> this isn't a hostile environment. <laughs> no, 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 it's in the play. This is lovely. This is lovely. <laughs> No, it, in in the play, it's quite the microphone's set really high. Oh gosh! And okay. if, if they lean in too close to it, it kind of feeds back. Oh no! And buzzes mm, and stuff. Yeah. So it's kind of a character in yes. itself. Okay, um, interesting. So yeah, oh. if it, I'm going to find out tomorrow if that will work. Yeah, we will <laughs> yeah. see. Uh, and uh, as people are walking out out of the theatre, if you hid around the corner, what would you want them to be saying? Um, do you do you hide around the corner? <laughs> I did some hiding in Fugue. Did you after did you? Fugue? Yeah, I didn't want to come out. Oh no! Yeah, not that anyone knew who I was. We did, but I, I got, <laughs> I heard snatches of conversation, um, and some of it, it, it was really interesting. They were kind of questioning it and puzzling, and yeah. kind of going, mm. "Was it this? Was it this?" Yeah. And I was just kind of going, "I don't know." <laughs> um, I, I, pref- I prefer. Uh, I don't know. I it's not. It's not comfortable. Yeah. Mm. If it's something you have written, and no, you, because you kind of go, it's well, personal. Me. It's me. personal. And when people, you know, we had some lo- great feedback from Fugue, yeah, but there was some not great feedback as well. And that, mm. yeah, that's fine. Doesn't bother me. Uh, it was well, always going what to do that. Art is, isn't it? It's that kind of play, and it was mm. fine. But it, yeah, you don't. It's not nice to hear it. Yeah, um, and yeah, I can imagine go, it's challenging. Well, you did. Mm. You said to us, you know, you were sort of like, you know, half kind of like. Um, you know, wincing as you tuned in to listen to the review, and it's like, but you know, it's it's hard to hear because it it's is, yeah. it's yeah, it's like getting you getting your, you know, somebody's kind of really critiquing something you've created. Yeah. I say, mm, yeah, that's yeah. exactly what they're doing, and and but I guess it's something you, I don't know if you get used to it or not. We'll mm. find out if it's the same with this one. I don't know, but I probably will still be hiding. I mean, the benefit of this is that I'm in it as well, yeah, mm. so I can legitimately hang back in the green room. <laughs> We'll come and pull you out. Yeah. <laughs> really well. Thank you so much for coming to us. Talk to us about it. A real it. pleasure. Nice Looking to see forward you. to it. And um, yeah, we wish you all the best and and to the rest of the cast thank as well. Thank you very yeah, much. Break a leg. Thank you. Hi, I'm Jake Ellicott. Join me and Lee Wood on our podcast, A Pod Full of Saints, a St Albans City fan podcast. Each week during the season, we'll be giving our take on all things city. To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com to find out more. That's a pod full of saints with Jake and Lee, part of the St Albans Podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. Well, that was another jam-packed show. Yes, a lot of reviews, a lot of previews. Uh, we've got a lot coming up, haven't we? We have. So uh, our next podcast, which will be out on the 13th of February. Mm-hmm. February already? Goodness me. Blind me. The day before Valentine's. So everyone, like, you could like listen to the next show with a bottle with of wine, your, lover. your loved one on the 14th. What mm. better? That's what, yeah, that's definitely it, what I'm going to do. So romantic. <laughs> so romantic. Listen to us. Anyway, um, next time we will be hearing from Lisa Schulberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she'll be telling us about her upcoming production of Gone. 
uh, which is playing on the 27th 20 to the 29th of uh, February at uh, the Mortings Arts Theatre. Yeah. Um, we will also be speaking to someone ahead of Ladies in Lavender, which is playing at um, the, the Abbey, Abbey Theatre. Thank you. From the 27th of February to the 7th of March. And we will also be... Um, well, gosh, actually, we haven't got anything to review between now and then, have we? No. So, we so will... if you'd like to get in touch, yeah. if, you, if you'd like to just have a chat about the local theatre scene, do get in touch at ben at stalbanspodcast.com. Or Susie at stalbanspodcast.com. Or theatre show at stalbanspodcast.com. Yeah, it's, um, it's easy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'd love to speak to you, get you involved. Um, and there's there's so much more coming up. Do check out the website for, you know, what's on and, you know, see what are the other things. Because there's so many, we're seeing so many good shows now. Mm. It's cracking. Looking forward to it all. So I think all that remains to be said is thank you to the Hearts Advertiser for making all of this possible. Yeah. Thank you to you, Susie. Thank you to you, Ben. Thank you to the, you, <laughs> the listeners as yes. well. It's yeah. great. Lovely. We'll see you next time. Next time. Bye. Bye. The Theatre Show with Ben and Susie. Produced in association with the St Albans Podcast. For more St Albans Podcasts, check out stalbanspodcast.com for full details on all the podcasts available and how to subscribe. To get in touch with The Theatre Show, email theatreshow at stalbanspodcast.com. It's an almost podcast theatre show out every fortnight on Thursdays.